Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 178 of On the Flank. I'm one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joker. Patrick, say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. The Dallas Fuel are your fifth season champions. The fifth champions. I guess maybe the fourth since the Shock won it twice. (laughs) Anyways, they won. And not only did they win, but we were treated to the first Map 7 finals ever which automatically makes it the best finals, right? Um, and it Basically, wasn't... Yeah. I mean, yeah. It wasn't like a game where um, one team... You know, there are those classic seven mappers where maybe one team takes the first two or three maps and then they kind of die out. It was Shock and San Francisco... Or San Francisco and Dallas sort of trading blows back and forth, back and forth. The series went until Dallas finally was the first team to take two maps in a row to win it all in map seven. Um, where it did kind of look like the shock sort of died out, and that'll happen when you're playing what their tenth map of the day or something at that point, like something like that. Yeah, yeah. But man, that, it's hard to argue that that was not the best finals we've ever had. It was in front of a live audience for the first time in since 2019 in three first years. First time since Shock won. The first time, yeah, yeah. Which was absolutely amazing obviously joe you were not there but i got to be there so i'll (laughs) I'll give my perspectives on how it was to actually be there in person um joe will give his perspectives on the watching experience and the viewership experience for many people because overwatch league absolutely popped off this entire week um over 100k viewers every single day uh, and eventually peaking at around 400k for the finals Overwatch Esports is back, baby. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw somebody quote um, that at some point it hit 500K. I don't know. I, I didn't oh. look at it myself. But, but yeah, I mean, that's half a million people, man. Yeah, that's the best numbers we've seen since season one, of course. Uh, and then Worlds, of course, happened, and they had like 5 million viewers. And you're like, okay, they're like <laughs> still way ahead of us. But at the same time, it's just great to like have, a view, have viewers, have a sponsor again in Butterfinger. Um, yeah, and I, I think we've already gotten like leaks of how short the offseason is going to be, but it's not like anyone could just logically think to themselves, okay, the viewership just absolutely popped off. Overwatch 2 is popping off. There is no way we have another six month offseason, <laughs> right? See you all at the end of May. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Um, we'll get into that. I, do we get into that later? If we don't, basically, uh, it I was threw late. it on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about this whole playoff situation here, Joe. Oh, let's go back to the very beginning of the playoffs, which feels like centuries ago now, uh, especially to me, uh, after a very long week of being there. Uh, but the meta, it was completely different and it was stuck on this one comp. Um, and it caused, I think, a lot of upsets at the beginning and a lot of teams being all over the place. Uh, as we know, we've discussed this on the show, Overwatch League changes metas all the time right before the playoffs, and it causes some crazy upsets. The London Spitfire winning as a five seed in the first year, all that stuff happening. Joe, how were you feeling about the meta at the beginning of the week versus towards the end? Were you fine with it towards the end? I know. I think it, for me, it kind of it grew into me. At first, I was upset, obviously, as someone who works for the Gladiators. We lost. I'm still a little butt hurt by the meta. Uh, 
But in the end, I think it it, it ended up being a very fun meta, and I'm glad it only lasts one week. <laughs> because I think I would have got sick of it after week two. What what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate assessment in terms of you know the what we what we saw of it the the opportunities that we saw um, the the opportunities we had to see it and and the way the teams were able to um, turn this this Kiriko situation into um, you know as much of a uh, a group play uh, focused and team play focused kind of meta. Um, Again, that's not that's not surprising. You know, we run into that all the time with um, with the Overwatch League and the pros taking um, you know being able to squeeze uh, all the all the life out of um, um, you know the whatever ends up being uh, meta in the situation. And so that's not to say you know necessarily you know maybe there was some some other kind of uh, backup strategy in this meta that would have. Um, uh, unseated the the Reaper Sojourn Kiriko, but I mean, you know, at the same time, it's you know they're playing in a week. So <laughs> once you find something that works um, and is working for you in particular as a team, you know, you're not gonna suddenly stop doing that. As far as that goes, um, yeah, it, it it definitely definitely had the potential to get stale. I think you're right. Uh, it was you know downright refreshing um, <laughs> those first couple days. Um, um, you know, just for the sake of, of getting to see the new hero, getting to see the 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 ways in which she was used with um, uh, with Reaper, who doesn't um, you know had had gotten a lot of love this season, um, but as you know, people pointed out in the time since, you know, really is enabled by a lot of the things that Kiriko does, uh, whether that's the the Suzu allowing him to uh, you know cross some some space, and getting closer with. Um, you know, with that invulnerability, whether that's the uh, the ultimate Kitsune rush, um, again, that it allows him the increased uh, speed, the increased reload speed uh, and movement speed to to be able to really just get into people's face, uh, or whether that is the um, uh, new DPS passive, uh, which was put into this patch and not the previous ones that with the I believe it was not in the previous patch with the increased movement speed, increased reload speed uh, after an um, elimination. I mean, that's you know super relevant for Reaper two, obviously. But yes, by by the end of the week, um, definitely things are getting stale. I believe um, people who pay attention to the numbers were pointing out this is, may have been the you know the most solidly locked in five heroes um, in any meta that we've seen in the Overwatch League. Uh, I don't know how that compares to, uh, you know, to goats necessarily or to to uh, uh, the Junker Queen uh, Jotes, but um, all that being said, it was it was it was an interesting um, platform upon which all these teams met. Um, I, I don't think the you know things necessarily shook out the way. Um, I mean, obviously, we we know we can see that things didn't shake out the way, uh, you know, in terms of. Uh, based on the season that they would have um, in a, a different patch is fair to say, but um, but, but yeah, as a as an entertaining as an entertainment experience and as a you know consumer um, piece, it, it worked well enough. Yeah, I definitely I think what carried it too was really the sojourn. I don't know, just how entertaining Sojourn was to watch at the end of the tournament. Uh, and it was just all about the Sojourn matchups. 
as a team player, I could see why I would hate that meta, though. I mean, obviously, being with the Glads that whole week, they were not having a great week. Um, but the idea of, like, Astro sitting there on Lucio and being like, my role barely, my job is to stay alive and not get one shot by their sojourn. That's a sad meta for any, anyone who isn't the sojourn, right? Sojourn is just extremely busted. I think from a viewer perspective, it's it's fun. It was super fun being in the crowd and just like seeing the most insane sojourn picks and seeing who could have the coolest kill at the end of the, and seeing just like proper pop off on this hero. I mean, my God. Um, I think that absolutely carried um, what what should have been a very boring meta in which we just watch the same five heroes run at each other. Um, Sojourn just being able to pop off, like, made it super entertaining. Um, and like Joe mentioned, just, yeah, I think the DPS passive was in the last patch, but not for Overwatch League. That was, like, the one thing in that patch that they said, no, we won't give it to Overwatch League. Um, and I think the DPS passive really reared its ugly end, Um for sure, with this patch. If Genji got hadn't got nerfed, I think Genji would have been nuts, too, in the league. So, And we did see a bit of Genji throughout the week, earlier in the week especially. But, uh, yeah, I think the meta, I mean, obviously, once I, I think the biggest thing is this meta probably would have changed eventually, but the issue is teams do not have time to risk that at all. Um, for For example, like, being around the team and knowing in earlier earlier in the meta, the Glads knew that this banana rush style was not they weren't going to win on it. They weren't going to be able to match Dallas or Shock or any of these teams. So I think the Glads were risking it by trying to force or trying to figure out a comp that they think could beat that comp or that they think works better for them. And even they got punished by that. Uh, their proof right there is they didn't spend enough time working out this comp. Um, because they knew they just couldn't match the top tiers, and then they ended up getting eighth place because of it. Um, and yeah, they really tried to risk it to try to get first, and it, it didn't pan out. So I think that's the main thing here, is it was such a short amount of time. They literally got this pay patch a week before they were supposed to start playoffs, and it, there's just not enough time for a meta to grow there to the point where most teams were just like, I would rather just like, succumb to this meta then risk it and try other things that we're not sure is going to work yet and that's what ended up happening and while we got the best game at the end of the tournament i, I do think overall overwatch league needs to do something about this either be able to get the patch into the team's hands quicker or just roll with like a patch that barely that doesn't change much this added the dps passive added kiriko um, it added and a pretty hefty nerf to a lot of the heroes that were good in the last patch. Um, if you're going to do this, I think you just, it's a very, very small patch that you give the teams that will maybe make the comp that was good in the last meta, which was Zarya comp, a little worse and allow like some other comps to be run, but nothing insane. I, I think that was the biggest change was like brand new hero for playoffs. So maybe they just don't do a brand new hero for playoffs next year, and that's fixed. I don't know. Long rant. I don't know what will work. I do think that something needs to change still, despite us getting the most entertaining finals we've ever had. Um, I, 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 I still would like to see like the what happened in this tournament reflect the season better, and I think the top two did for sure. 
but you had teams like Houston sitting in third that I don't think necessarily reflects the season at all. You had the Hangzhou Spark once again because they have the best uh, Sojourn player in APAC be the best team in APAC. This was the same story as the midseason madness. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I I think I think giant changes are not my favorite still. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's my rant. Um, but yeah, let's let's like dig into uh, the first part of the week. It was great. It wasn't in front of a live audience, but I still think the production was good. The stage was cool, um, and the whole setup. I mean, I know people didn't get to see the setup, but the setup was really cool. It was uh, in one of the conference part of the uh, Anaheim Convention Center. It was one of the convention rooms. They had a stage set up in there, and then a bunch of different rooms for the practice areas for the teams. So we came out um, of our practice rooms to go to the stage and stuff like that. I thought the setup was really cool. The stage was cool. Um, and I think, it, it, like, seeing how many people showed up for Thursday, Joe, which was barely any, this was a smart move <laughs> uh, because it was all during the week. People just wanted to, the, the whole thing was packed during the finals. Um, but I think it was smart to understand, okay, we're not going to sell tickets for these earlier playoff games. Um, yeah, what did you think of the production overall uh, watching from home, Joe? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I actually didn't, um, based on the way they had been talking about the sort of event structure, I wasn't anticipating that they were going to be uh, live at all or like on in a live setting at all for those initial rounds. So I was pleasantly surprised to see them on a stage uh, rather than just like, I assumed it'd be webcam set up again for those first three or four days. Um, so that was kind of cool to see just you know, for the sake of... Um, I'm sure it was better for the players too, you know, just to get used to, you know, going out physically to uh, a stage like that, uh, even if there weren't any uh, spectators necessarily. Um, um, but yeah, the the production was super nice. They had a <laughs> they 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 broke out the official Watchpoint desk um, <laughs> they haven't used all season, uh, and they had a they had a real desk for the show. And that was crazy. Um, they had, uh, particularly again, thinking about the home broadcast, um, we saw the the debut of like the the billboard graphics for the sponsors. Uh, <laughs> that uh, you got yeah, the right. the Butterfinger sprays <laughs> all around the map, um, which was an interesting touch. I, I I think there's still probably ways that they can iterate on that. Would be my guess. Um, just you know, by virtue of you know making it cleaner, making it um, more seamless and probably more hands-off i assume on on productions end but um but the idea was really cool to be able to uh you know include those kinds of uh incorporations and uh to show off you know the one playoff sponsor that they had uh you might as well go all all out for them um so that part was cool um trying to think of other production things and then yeah once the actual you know tournament started and um or actually playing back in that room again um it's really you know very much like um uh i guess that world cup of whatever year that was was like the most recent event that happened in that arena um and you know in a lot of ways it brings you right back uh when you see you know those teams back in the back in the center again facing off in that ring um it was definitely a a, a cool a cool feeling and um you know 
even separated from all the crowd shenanigans and uh, cosplays and signs. We got to see signs again. Signs were excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, even separated from all that, you know, as a as a viewer watching at home, you know, you could tell um, that there was, you know, continuing to be something significant going on, um, you know, within within the crowd and within the event, and that's definitely important. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, just to ch- chime in on like the actual event in person, I think it was super well run golden boy hosting and like doing all the off broadcast stuff as well, like hyping up the arena during commercial breaks. Um, at some point we had like a 10 minute wave going on, um, in the crowd, which I looked up the re- world record wave. It's actually 28 minutes. So we were nowhere close, but it felt like it never ended. It was nuts. Um, there's just a bunch of cool, like little audience, like interactive things. They had the stage set up in person. I don't know if it looked as good on camera. It was fucking so cool. My God. I just, we were allowed to like, I don't know if it was just cause I had a badge. I was allowed to be near the stage, but I kept taking video of that and going up to it. Like they just had, it was a really cool, like square, like almost like boxing ring type setup. Um, that I thought looked really cool. And it was cool how they had the two teams facing each other and stuff like that so yeah um i saw somebody i believe it was the youtuber si not found Hmm. um at least i think that's their primary thing is youtube Uh, (laughs) um they they did like a time-lapse video of like walking around that was a really cool yeah like this to watch like and i think it was even during finals so like they had the competition up on the screen and you could see the crowd shifting and the lights shifting and all it was just that was it was really cool yeah apparently that took a lot of effort that was like all across a map or two i think right he took like 500 pictures something um, like that yeah which is not was it pictures i assumed it was just like a slow motion video that's even more impressive if it yeah, was a no. bunch of pictures yeah i think it was a time lapse and he and he just took pictures instead of a video um yeah that's even I more mean, impressive he, depends what he was using i guess obviously i i don't want to like go into technical things but yeah there are like some cameras have time lapse modes where you don't have to do anything some cameras like make you take the pictures individually it all depends yeah but yeah that was really cool um lots of cool lots of cool content creators there and uh stuff like that obviously i was with aspen all the the two days since she's a gladiators creator um and she had tons of fans coming up to her and it was just cool seeing all the fans and tons of gladiators fans sorry we couldn't make it that far guys but uh tons of old jerseys um tons of familiar faces i mean lemon kiwi was there even though she didn't get to cast uh got to see avril uh yeah i mean just just cool to see everyone back including golden boy i really hope they get golden boy for future events i I think this was just perfect I, i gotta be honest it was just the timing was great to throw out, throw up just like one of the most well-produced, like it barely feels like there were any hiccups. The only hiccup I can remember, and I don't know if you even saw the show or if this ever even got leaked to the internet, but um, during the announcement of Hattie winning the Dennis Halka award, they accidentally showed a screen that said MVP proper. Um, so the whole crowd got the leak that uh it wasn't on broadcast at all that uh yeah no it Proper wasn't got mvp so i, yeah. I heard uh, i read it i read that on on reddit somebody had commented that yeah. that happened but <laughs> um but yeah no that wasn't evident on the broadcast at all 
Yeah, I, I figured. So that wasn't even broadcast. Like, I, I just think with the most eyes on Overwatch League in a while, to put out the pro a product this good was fantastic. Because it was fun. The games were awesome, but the production was, like, top-notch, barely any hiccups. And just everything went smooth. It was fun. Um, yeah, and the, the game, the finals were amazing. Uh, and I imagine hooked a lot of people. Um, as well as all the perks that everyone was probably watching for, honestly, um, that haven't shown up in game yet. I wonder when they're going to show up. Yeah, I've gotten some of them. I, I was looking at that earlier because I uh, there were a couple skins that I think I didn't have that I now have. Um, okay. But yeah, not, not everything has come for sure. Maybe the skins showed up, but I know for sure the name cards didn't and probably the profile icon icons, but I haven't seen quite yet. I haven't checked everything. Yeah, I think again. I think read on Reddit somewhere. So take it as you will that the one of the dev comments was like, you know, you can expect to have it by that uh, November fifteenth patch. Okay, cool, sweet. So yeah, get those soon. I mean, as far as okay, so let's just talk about. We got to talk about obviously the production was great. Let's just talk about the competition for a second. The Dallas Fuel are your champions this year, Joe. Um, I. Did not expect this going to the beginning of the year. I think I kind of expected a little bit of a drop-off from the fuel, especially since the trend of last year for the fuel was started out really good and then just sort of got worse as the year went on. I kind of, ex with a similar roster and only a couple additions, I, I thought, oh, maybe that, like, maybe that means um, they're just going to continue to fall. Instead, they had an opposite year where they started out actually pretty good in, in the first in the kickoff clash they got second in na then they had a really bad stage and then i was like okay maybe this is where they fall off but no they then come back to win the next stage and continue to just get better and better as the year go goes on and then they end up winning the whole thing they win the last stage and they win this whole season based off this last thing and i gotta give credit where credit's due the pickup i thought was not gonna be a big deal and was not i was underwhelmed by it was Edison, and Edison ended up being, in my opinion, the best sojourn in the league during this entire tournament, um, out-dueling Proper to become one of the most... I mean, Proper didn't have Fearless on his team, I know that, um, but I still think Edison looked better than Proper in that final series. I'm giving my tournament MVP to Edison because I truly did not expect him to show up as one of the best sojourns i think he was he had a pretty good sojourn throughout the year um and summer showdown he didn't like need to have a great sojourn this was the first meta where you need to have a really good sojourn to get you picks and dallas fuel had that good sojourn and the best sojourn won it all so i gotta give it to edison mainly because they gave fearless the grand finals mvp which i do agree with um but I have to give a shout out to someone who I think had as big of an impact as Fearless. Honestly, Edison played out of his mind. Um, what are your thoughts on the fuel, Joe? I mean, did they deserve it? Did the meta fall in their lap? Uh, what are <laughs> give me give me some analysis on this grand final? Yeah, I mean, certainly by you know midweek or or later, you know, as things. Um, you know, started to shake out. It was it was becoming more and more clear for sure that um, that you know the the Dallas Field were going to be the team to beat. Um, I know um, both of us had predicted. I believe both of us had predicted um, 
the Soul Dynasty in the Grand Finals. Um, uh, no, both no, uh, both of us have predicted the Gladiators in the Grand Finals, obviously, yeah. and winning I, I, the Grand Finals. I think I picked Glad's um, Fuel. Yeah, Glad's Fuel. Yeah, too. yeah, you had Glad's Dallas, I had Glad's Soul, um, and and that that uh, Dallas Soul match was gonna be, you know, the the uh, one of the standout highlights there in the uh, winners bracket semifinals. Um, uh, but when that when that match went as quickly as it did, um, as well as when. Uh, uh, Seoul lost that close match, or excuse me, the San Francisco Shock lost that close match to Houston. Um, you know, we, we knew the the top of that was going to be shaken up a little bit. Uh, I remember we had our conversation um, as the week was going on, and we said, you know, we noticed um, <laughs> when you the looking at the losers bracket uh, was really stacked on one side, just just from the way it worked out. Um, where the LA Gladiators and the San Francisco Shock uh, and the Shanghai Dragons, uh, alongside the Philly Fusion, um, uh, were were all there so that at least at least two of the three of those teams uh, were going to be eliminated in the first two elimination rounds. Um, that's just <laughs> that's just crazy. Where on the other side you had Atlanta, Florida, Toronto, Hangzhou, uh, like like that's this would have been a very different tournament for. I mean, for for Hangzhou in particular, I think if if some of these uh, uh, matches had been uh, re rearranged a little bit, but um, yeah. and it could have been different for Gladiators, could have been different for Shanghai Dragons, Soul Dynasty. Anyway, the, the the structure was interesting in terms of those teams that were um, pretty yeah. well favored. Um, but we got to see the long uh, shock losers bracket run again, uh, you know, from losing literally their first match uh, and then swinging through the rest of the APAC teams um, on their way to grand finals. I mean, that's that's what Atlanta did uh, last season, if I remember right. They lost maybe even in the first round and eliminated every APAC team on their way to the grand finals. Yeah. Uh, and then lost, and then got second. So you know, <laughs> it's a tradition at this point. Um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely an interesting bracket. Um, I mean, teams to teams to call out. We wanted to uh, uh, definitely London is, is also worth a mention, uh, making it all the way to uh, all the way to that second to last losers losers round. Um, uh, they definitely should beat Hangzhou. I, I explicitly sent you a message, you know, the day before that match happened. I said London needs to beat Hangzhou because, you know, put the universe, uh, put the universe back the way it should be. I think is the phrase that I used. Yeah. Um, and it didn't happen, but uh, that was also the night that Christopher got Coach of the Year. So you know, it it worked out in the end. Yeah, it definitely did. I I with the bracket stuff, I agree. It just looking at it, I would have been probably a different story if we see some of these other teams and there has been proposals for solutions to that and that involves just another like basically picking your opponent type thing the first first round of the lower bracket if you know glad shock mayhem or whoever lost in that upper bracket quarterfinals probably deserves some sort of advantage and i think this was something i brought up with the midseason madness too was that that's just the one weird part about the bracket is that the teams on by like don't really get much of an advantage if they just lose and they are in the same place as the team that lost in the very first round. Um, it's just like a weird situation where that's just how brackets with 12 teams is going to work. The buys just like don't 
give you that much of an advantage. It's just a weird, it's a very weird situation. But if you had a team, another pick in there, it might make it a lot less um, top heavy. I imagine the shock probably wouldn't have picked the dragons, and uh, things would have things would have been a little bit different. But we still we still probably would have got the gladiator shock in that second round. We're eventually going to get these matchups, so it doesn't matter. I do think it matters for prize money, obviously, because some of the teams that last longer, if they just fall into a good side of the bracket, they're going to get more money than some of the teams that had to face the shock earlier than them and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so some teams just luck out based off the side of the bracket they're on or how the things fall. And that's just how every tournament's going to be. There's not much you can fix with it, unfortunately. I think the team pick could go and fix a little bit of it, but maybe not all of it. Uh, but yeah, there's all that stuff that happened. I would like to see a different tournament where we were on a different side from Shock because if we would have won against the Shock, like the winner gets to go to the arena. And I think our team specifically plays very well in front of a crowd at least historically so i would have been interested to see if glads would have been on the other side and had to face mayhem or spark i think we could have pulled out those wins and then made it to the arena and then all of a sudden it's a different playing field when we play against shock um eventually right uh could have been a completely different game who knows uh but that's not how it panned out and the shock had to beat the dragons the gladiators the dynasty all three in a row and then in my opinion just like some easier matchups in the Outlaws and Spark once they got to that point. Um, I think it was obvious the Shock were going to crush the Outlaws in the rematch. I mean, the Outlaws had just previously gotten stomped by the Dallas Fuel, and the Shock were looking unstoppable at that point. So, uh, and yeah, Proper had just turned on to another level. So, yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy to see the Outlaws in third. I really was rooting for the Outlaws to win uh, because. It would have been funny. One of my new coworkers, who was our new social media manager, Joe, he um, came from the Outlaws earlier this year, um, and he came for the Mid-Season Madness. We got the Mid-Season Madness win, but it was funny because he was sitting in the audience like, if the Outlaws win and I left, like, just imagine how <laughs> sad that would have been, um, which I would have been sad for him. But I think it just would have been funny if the Outlaws won a championship before the Fuel. I, I thought it could have happened. I thought the only team that could possibly beat the fuel in front of a crowd were the outlaws because they had done it twice this year already. Um, but they just fell apart. They absolutely fell apart after that first map. They won the first map and then it was not close the rest of the series in that winner's finals, unfortunately for them. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Dante who definitely ended up being like the best North American main tank by the end of it, which is crazy to say, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, yeah, anything else to say about these matchups? Any of the players, any specific teams you want to call out? I mean, I will for a second shout out actually Florida, who we predicted to be a threat coming into this bracket. They were the last team picked in that buy round. Seoul didn't even pick them. Um, they, were forced to, they were forced to have Florida. No one wanted to face Florida. They were looking like one of the bigger threats. I think turns out the worst pick was the Glads picking the Spitfire. Uh, because they ended up being the scariest. Um, it would have been interesting to see a Florida-London, actually, uh, matchup, see who w would have won that one. But, yeah, shout-out to them. I mean, level of competition was super high. I think the only teams that looked really bad, like they didn't belong there, was one, Philly Fusion, without Zest in their lineup, um, which was the first match against London. 
and two Toronto, who ended up, once they put Hoppe in, actually making it a game against Hangzhou. So both those teams made improvements to their rosters, even in their second game, despite losing. So uh, maybe I'll shout out the Atlanta Reign, too. They played a close game against Florida, but it was clear this meta was not made for them. Any meta where they have to play Monkey, um, they just haven't been playing Gator all year, right? So when the when it comes to a meta that it's a hero that Gator's clearly better at, they still try to force Hawk on it because they just <laughs> have been playing with Hawk for the whole year. So, yeah, the meta just didn't fall into their lap. Any other shout shout outs, Joe? Any other anything else to point out? Yeah, I think that may be uh about it. Obviously we'll touch on the uh um I guess we can do that now if we wanted to, all the season awards that they gave out through the week. Yeah, let's um, let's, let's do that first. But yeah. Su- super solid bracket. Super solid bracket. Yeah. Very memorable. All right, let's go through all the awards real quick. Let's start with the roll stars. Um all right, Tank, you had Hottie, Hanbin, Reiner, Smurf uh, as your four Roll Star Tanks. Anything to pull out, point out here or anyone um, you think deserves to be on there, I guess, Joe, besides these four? Yeah, I saw uh, floating around all the like vote totals um, as these were being announced over the week. I, I didn't uh, uh, track those down or save them to you know compare uh, about some players, but I, I think... Um, Surely, right up there had to be Dante. Uh, I, I would assume as a as a fifth pick. Um, um, uh, but, but yeah, solid solid choices as far as that goes. Uh, I, I was wondering if they were going to end up doing um, uh, double the amounts of uh, support and DPS as they did tank, uh, but no, it was just four of each. So, you know, in that sense, it was maybe even uh, overrepresented <laughs> proportionally uh, in this tank role. Oh yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm trying to look up look up the final tallies on all these. Um, yeah, because they weren't okay. They had they had like full like vote who voted who, but it's somewhere on Reddit where um, they put the roll star like breakdown of how many votes everyone had. Um, here, I think I might might have found it. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, so. Hanbin had 75, Smurf 65, Hottie 46, Reiner 37, and then next up was Hawk with 28, and then Dante with 22, Kaluj 19, Void 14, and then the rest pretty spread out throughout. Um, but yeah, yeah I, see, that's that's pretty crazy to have <laughs> Hawk with more points than Dante. Yeah, I think Hawk did really well, and maybe not, I don't know, maybe I'm biased because I hear. Um, Hunter and Face, our head coaches, talk about how good, how important Hawk is to the Atlanta Rain all the time. So maybe I see the behind the scenes that other people don't. And to be fair, most of these votes are from people like Face and Hunter. Uh, most of these votes are from coaches and and people around the scene. So maybe that's why Hawk got a lot of votes because behind the scenes they know how big of how much of an impact he has on the team. Um, and that's I, I kind of even agree with them. Like maybe that's who I would put over Hottie. Um, because I think out of the four, the only one I would take out is Hottie. But by the end of the playoffs here, I think I think he deserves it. Um, and maybe, yeah, Dante, I'm, you know, I've given Dante like MVP multiple times this year. Like he's maybe the only other one I would really put in there because he really did make a huge impact on his team as well. Um, but yeah, the, that was cool. We then got support, 
which was Shu. That one was obvious as he was the only support up for MVP. Uh, Fielder, Iziaki, and Chio. Um, and I'm pretty good, pretty good with these four. Iziaki's maybe the only one I am not great on, but I think Fielder, Chio, a great backline for the Dallas Fuel. I got to say Chio made a way bigger impact as well uh, towards the end of the season. Only other person I'd maybe put is Violet, who switched roles this year from flex support to main support and did not skip a beat at all. Looked really good on Lucio, so uh, which is crazy. Everyone was memeing the shock for putting him on Lucio, and he ended up being really good. So that, he's the only one I'd maybe include here. How about you, Joe? Yeah, Violet's a, a good addition for sure. Um, I was, uh, out of these four, uh, a, a little curious about... Um, uh, about Chigo, uh, uh, actually, on on this list, uh, not that he's you know particularly bad or anything, but just uh, it, it didn't um, uh, stand out very much for me, I guess, this season. Uh, but I mean, of course, after after this uh, <laughs> grand finals and, and tournament experience, you know, it's really hard, uh, really hard to deny uh, what uh, he was able to do. Obviously, yeah, definitely. Uh... Next up, if you if people want to know again, was Vin Dame with 21. And a lot of people believed Vin Dame, Soul Dynasty support, uh, was another person deserving of it. Um, maybe over Iziaki. Iziaki, I think a lot of people are pointing to the Chinese talent, um, all voting for Iziaki. Um, but yeah, it, it's I, I think Iziaki had a, had a pretty good season, but I definitely agree Vin Dame and... Um, Maybe even Violet deserve it over over uh, Iziaki this year. All right, and then we got DPS, which was Kefster, Lip, Proper, and Profit. Um, these four are pretty good. I, I think maybe out of those four, maybe Lip, um, who I think did well this year, but maybe had one of his worst years, unfortunately. I still think he's like the best player on the Shanghai Dragons, maybe, but... I think they were especially they're one of the first teams eliminated in the playoffs. Um, they had obviously one really good stage where they won, but overall, I, I I do think there were tons of great. There's tons of great DPS talent that just didn't really get um, who, who maybe deserved it over Lip. How about you, Joe? What did you think about these four? Yeah, about Lip. I mean, if uh, uh, <laughs> I, I considered trying to keep a, a running MVP. Uh, prediction or, or pick for myself like through the week and see how it changed uh, and honestly after that um, this was technically the third night uh, after that uh, Shanghai San Francisco Shock match uh, Lip was may have been it <laughs> right then even, even though uh, Shanghai was eliminated um, uh, after that after that match against the Shock because uh, just of how hard he was <laughs> carrying for, for San Francisco against you know um Obviously, its counterpart there on the other team would have been proper. Um, uh, but, but yeah, DPS. I mean, far and away has been the most outsized role um, in terms of like the just the the influence that DPS has had on um, on on matches and on match results. Um, this uh, this year, it's, so in that sense, yeah, there's a lot of talent that um, you know didn't quite um, make it up to. Um, uh, to taking care of that, um, what am I trying to say? They didn't get recognized as a role star, but, um, but, but some, some solid choices for sure, I'd say. 
Yeah, definitely. I think those four, they're the most obvious four. This is, by the way, the first Roll Star for Profit. I think that's, it's cool to point out, but I think it's more obvious when you realize, oh, he's called Playoff Profit for a reason. He's had like some underwhelming seasons going into like just amazing playoff performances, uh, which obviously people vote for before the playoffs happen, usually. But this season was the first time Profit had a really good regular season. So Profit finally got it. If you wanted to know the next up, Zest was the next up. Uh, and then following that was Shy and MN3. Um, I, I like Shy. Shy just really helped Hangzhou perform very well in the Sojourn Meadows. I think Shy's still one of the best Sojourns. Um, so I think Shy maybe should have got some more votes. Maybe not Roll Star, but maybe some more. I, I, Shy just had a great year. So, yeah, a tough. Like Joe was saying, so many good DPS players this year. So tough choice, but those four got it. And yeah, let's move on to uh, the individual awards. We then had Coach of the Year, which went to Christopher. Uh, I think this was far and away like the most obvious. I don't know if they ended up showing votes or like how many votes all of them got. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think Christopher absolutely deserved it. Um, yeah, I'm looking. They did show how many votes. Um, the most, the most I'm seeing besides Christopher, I'm seeing a lot of Rush, um, Krusty's obviously there. Not as many Krusty's as I expect, but it, I think the second place was probably probably Rush, just based off my eye test right here. Uh, and obviously Rush had a really good year as well. Um, but yeah, Christopher ended up getting it because he took probably the most, one of the teams with the lowest budget, uh, and brought him to top six in the playoffs um i mean absolutely ridiculously well coached team um the players maybe not the most individually talented in the overwatch league but christopher is clearly one of the most talented coaches this is deserving um do you agree joe oh yeah without a doubt i mean yeah and all the more um you know, having seen the the london spitfire play in this tournament and and the results that they were able to get um but I mean, yeah. Even before, even before then, he definitely would have been my pick. Um, uh, doesn't hurt to you know talk about his uh, uh, Philly Fusion connections in the past. But um, but yeah, absolutely um, uh, turning around this team over the course of the season um, to a, a really solid. You know, they'll be the only EU team next season, um, but um, they they may be able to uh, you know hold up that banner um, even even despite that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got Rookie of the Year proper. I don't think there's much debate on this one, Joe. This is the most obvious award by far this year. It was definitely proper with him being an MVP candidate and the only rookie that was an MVP candidate. And he was insane because he ended up getting MVP too. So, yeah. Um, I think that's well. Let's just talk about his MVP real quick. I think that's well-deserved. Um, yeah, it, the shock... They're good. Krusty's good. They have other good players on the team. But Proper was just far and away carrying this team. And he was insane in the most clutch. The moments where he needed to be the most clutch. He was the most clutch player out of anyone. Anyone. By far in this league. He is absolutely the MVP. And the Rookie of the Year. Um, And he may... He's going to be a menace for for the years to come. How long? I don't know how long he stays in this league, but he will be one of the best players every single year. I guarantee it. 
this is looking like our LeBron James or Tom Brady or our our goat basically this is I, I think it's just by far one of the best players maybe the best player we've had in this league I mean even shock I was thinking about it, I was like shock has not had had a player this good ever like they've had great teams they haven't had no one who has carry performances like this um, and I and I don't remember anyone in the league having carry performances like this this is just nuts yeah proper he's great <laughs> I imagine you agree, Joe. <laughs> I imagine. Oh, yeah. I yeah, no, so. I would say so. Um, yeah. It, 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 and you're right. It's going to be, he's going to be a long, a long time through this league for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. Dennis Alco Award um, went to Hottie. Were you surprised, Joe? Who's your pick? I mean, I know I didn't hear too many people talk about Hottie being their pick. I think some people guess someone uh, because he's a happy, positive impact on the league. Uh, what are your thoughts on Hottie? Was he your pick? Yeah, I, I, when it came time to announce this award, I was sort of scrambling in my head to, to figure out who might have even been like considered. Um, uh, I, cause I'm trying to think who won last year. Sparkle. Um, what was that? Sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause like Sparkle would have been like, was much more obvious last year. I feel like, um, um, and, and there, there wasn't anybody. I mean, certainly, um, you write somebody or someone. <laughs> uh, in this case, I actually mean to use the word someone um, uh, from the Florida Mayhem. You know, fits uh, in a lot of sense that role that uh, Sparkle did last season uh, in terms of you know the the big public facing personality. Um, uh, but it sounds like you know a very meaningful, um, very meaningful choice on the on the part of of Hottie and. Um, or on the part of you know the people who who voted for Hadi, uh, so that was definitely good to see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, seeing the video too and seeing his story definitely helped. I think yeah, this year they needed the video the most because I think it wasn't as obvious. I agree, Joe. It wasn't as obvious this year as previous years, where it did feel a little more obvious. Um, was talking to like people after, and they mentioned like they have this award in sports. But, like, esports isn't quite there yet to where, like, sports players make so, like, make, esports players make a lot of money. Sports players make infinitely more still. They make, like, millions and millions of dollars. So they have enough money to, like, build schools and do <laughs> and donate their money to insane charities and stuff like that. So the awards usually go to the players who do that. Um, so it is funny to see this award and it's like, oh, they are just a positive impact, which is fun to see, obviously. But um, they're just nowhere. I mean, I don't. Bl- I'm not telling Hottie he has to. He probably and he probably has one of the lowest salaries in the league based off the budget London had. So I'm not going to tell Hottie, hey, donate your money and stuff like that. But it is just funny seeing the comparison of like these awards in real sports are like always the player that just donated millions and millions of dollars to charity and helped kids and and built shelters and all this stuff, right? Um, compared to ours, which is just they smile and laugh and make us laugh, uh, which is also valuable, but you know, it's valuable in a different way for sure. Um, all right. Those were all the awards. I thought the awards were pretty good this year. Uh, pretty accurate. No complaints really. So good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some other, uh, news. Twitch 
Twitch drops uh, ended for um, the first round of Hollywood or Halloween Terror, and they will start up again in seven days a week here on the 15th. Um, of course, to get that Ryan Hart mug souvenir and then the Brita kit and weapon charm, which I definitely want to cop. Uh, yeah, that'll stop. That will start on the 15th and end on the 30th. So you'll have a lot time, a lot of time to get this one's only five hours instead of six. So, yeah, uh, those are coming up. That's just everyone's reminder for that. Um, and then if you want more stuff, uh, the Butterfinger promotion continues uh, through actually buying Butterfinger. That's right. Uh, if you buy Butterfinger, or uh, if you buy two bars, it says, uh, then you upload your receipt to gamewithbutterfinger.com. Uh, you get a couple of sprays, I think, um, as well as an icon. Uh, so, yeah, you actually have to yeah, buy it, it, physical candy now to, <laughs> to get some sprays. Yeah, and to to get everything you need, uh, actually three qualifying purchases if you read oh. the fine print. So you got to do it three times to get three different uh, 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 the two sprays and an, and a player icon. But if you're into Butterfinger and or you're really into those sprays and player icon, uh, go for it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the what the sprays looked like, but they look pretty cool. I don't know if it's worth. Get, I'm not a big Butterfinger fan myself, unfortunately, but. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. I might end up might end up copping some copping some Butterfinger. Yeah. All right. The other big thing that happened at the finals was they announced the new hero. It is not Malga. It is Ramatra. Um, and this was an absolutely um, sick reveal. If you have not watched the origin story, I highly recommend going to watch it. Um, this is up there as one of my favorite origin story videos. Up there with Sigma, which is by far my favorite. Um, and I was blown away by the Sigma one when it came out. I'm pretty blown away by this one as well. I think the story is really deep. Oh, as deep as the Sigma story and complex as the Sigma story. Just, you know, the Omnic human thing has been very surface level up until now and very like almost just like um, a racism type thing, obviously, which is there. But um, Ramatra, Ramatra seems to take that Omnic thing and make it a hundred times more complicated, uh, going into deep details on like um, what a legacy means to Omnics because they can't reproduce. Uh, so once they die, they're sort of they're they, they end, they cease to exist. Um, they don't even they can't even pass on their DNA or anything through children or anything like that. Um, so it goes deep into that lore and it like immediately that's way deeper than than the omnic stuff has ever gotten um uh he's the leader of null sector and they announced his game or they like showed screenshots and uh teased his gameplay a little bit and he will have two different forms it seems like one in which he pokes and is more of a tanky guy and another one in which he goes just full attack mode and he looks really really cool in it what do you think of all this stuff, Joe? I thought it was a really great reveal. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so too. I definitely am I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to more as we wait until. In fact, I think it may even be December eighth, uh, which is exactly a month from today, as we record this uh, when when season two launches. Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll be you know drip fed more on Ramatra as 
as uh, the time continues. But yeah, uh, he's got the the at will transformation. It sounds like um, uh, some kind of protection ability, some kind of uh, um, area denial ability. It sounds like, uh, including a uh, a mechanic that sort of pulls down um, uh, flying heroes, or maybe you know increases the gravity or something, um, which might be interesting. Um, uh, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they're able to, you know, what, what kind of niche he ends up fitting uh, competitively, uh, but also just, again, seems like a really cool hero uh, who will uh, more than likely, I don't, uh, it's not confirmed yet at this point, but who will more than likely uh, be at uh, tier 55 of the season two battle pass. Um, yeah. And will be the first Overwatch hero uh, not available to uh, people who have played Overwatch 1 uh, on its launch, which yep. is the thing. That, that'll <laughs> happen. Uh, everyone will either buy the Paddle Pass, get the hero immediately, or have to wait about or grind for about two weeks, two or three weeks, depending on how much you play. Um, and yeah, release date of Season 2, not December 8th, December 6th. Um, so two days earlier uh, but yeah I'm super excited um, it's just fun to like also be getting constant reveals and knowing like this it still like hits you every time you get a reveal like oh this is the game is alive now um, it, you think it's just gonna die off again you know because that's just what happened the last two years of Overwatch they would announce something and it would take another six or seven months for anything else to be announced so just fun to see uh, and fun to see like every bit uh every new hero we get i feel like we get a little bit more of tease of what the pve might be about and i think this character might have a lot to do um with what the pve is going to be about uh and i hope it does because his story is really cool so yeah supposedly supposedly the next new map uh is going to be connected in some way to this character as well i forget if it's launching um uh, season two or season three? I believe but, season two. We're getting. I believe season two. We're getting map and hero. If I remember the map, oh, nice. the or the yeah the road map correctly. I think season three. Maybe we just get a map, or we get a new game mode, or something. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but I have to go back to the. Se- All I know is season three. We're not getting another hero. Season four. We will be, um, and so on, so on. But yeah, we'll we'll be sticking on this uh, as the um, next couple weeks happen. I'm sure we'll get more info. Um, all right. Uh, other piece of news is we have another hero being disabled for a game-breaking bug, which seems to just happen every patch, and it is May this time. Um, seems like she'll be disabled until the 11.15 patch. I haven't seen too many videos of what exactly this was, Joe, but I think it had something to do with her wall being able to take transport her to places on the map that were not intended her to be transported to so yeah yeah i saw some videos of it not uh the wall not particularly acting like a wall either like you could just kind of walk through it (laughs) which is not the point so definitely not um yeah but yeah uh and we have our first piece of off-season news our first dropping um I guess I don't know if this was a drop or not. I just saw it on Twitter. Did maybe DPA left himself? But Vancouver uh, and DPA parting ways. Um, we'll no longer be together. So yeah, that was an interesting move. If it was Vancouver's choice, obviously their team vastly improved once DPA came. Uh, so unless they have a very suitable replacement, 
definitely in the eyes of the public could be a weird situation. Um, I know. Have you have you heard these rumors, Joe, of American Tornado coming back together this this upcoming year? Um, as in, like the the players or yeah, the team? The players from American Tornado. Um, there seems to be rumors that these players want to play with each other again. Uh, obviously, Vancouver has, has a couple of those. So, wondering if Vancouver, like this, kind of gives me a hint that Vancouver maybe wants to do that. I don't. If you know the American Tornado people, they don't like. I don't think they would mesh well with Deepa. So maybe this is the first sign of that happening. Um, I know other that. other people theorizing that maybe they all go to Atlanta together. Um, obviously, these this would include like Sam, Reiner is one of them, Kaluj maybe, but it, a lot of them like obviously this is from the six v six era. So obviously, Kaluj and Reiner probably shouldn't be on the same team together, right? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, that that could be interesting. Just theorize. We're in the off season, so might as well theorize that that'd be an, that'd be a cool, cool thing if that if they came back together. Um, but oh yeah, overall, what do you agree, Joe? Is is this a weird dropping? Do, do we do you expect Depay to be somewhere else now? I think he pr- I think he proved his worth, right? Like he made this team look a lot better than they were. Yeah, that, that was gonna be that was gonna be my thought. I mean, you know, when when he was signed at midseason or whatever time it was, um, he, that was that was absolutely the thought of like, you know, is it, um, you know, he's gonna have to, you know, make it worth uh, uh, make it worth his while as far as that goes uh, for for bringing him in, and and he did. Uh, I forget precisely uh, when in time um, uh, Depay's signing and the Vancouver's first win of the season uh, were aligned, but I, I think it was, excuse me, pretty close together in time that those two things happened. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him somewhere uh, uh, through the season as it goes. Uh, maybe bring him in for uh, the Las Vegas Eternal. You know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Could, could take him there. All I know is he's, he's going to want an org that gives him health insurance and jerseys and stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, there's that. <laughs> we'll see if Paris can afford or Las Vegas can afford to do that. But um, yeah, D- Vancouver Depe separating ways. I mean, that could honestly, I bring that up, but that could also be a reason why they're they're separating. Is Depe was very clearly outspoken about how he was not treated well at the org. So maybe the org was like, all right. You're a bit of a liability. Let's cut you. Uh, but yeah, that's our first offseason move. We're going to be getting a ton here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, as, uh, yeah, um, I'm excited to, to for the offseason to begin. Um, last topic, Joe, we mentioned it earlier. Dante has le- has leaked how long the offseason is. Uh, confirmed by Yiska as well that it was a leak and it wasn't just a guess by Dante. Um, yeah, uh, Dante in his tweet mentioned that he'll have a two-month off-season. Uh, Yiska clarifies, and I, I would have clarified as well, that this is just an off-season for him, for the player. He obviously will have to come back before the season starts to practice. Uh, and I imagine he would have to come back like a month before the season starts. So I think a three-month off-season. I was guessing before Dante even leaked this, I guess, that the league would probably start in late February. I think that's where about where we land uh if if this leak is true so i i think that's the move um i think the players are gonna be 
exhausted from this rush back, but I think obviously they have to do this right now <laughs> with with how hot the game is right now. Uh, they got to just keep momentum going. Uh, yeah, we, we can't have an offseason like we did uh, <laughs> these last couple. Um, you're exactly right, you know, after after the momentum that's been built up. Uh, and, you know, on the, on the flip side, obviously, we don't sacrifice the sanity and, and health and breathing time of the players for that either. But, um, uh, but yeah, you, you got you to gotta keep it rolling for sure. And maybe, uh, you know, hopefully, it sounds like based on what the plan has been, um, by the time we season two comes around, there may be um, uh, some kind of P- PVE launch uh, as well. So yeah, there might be a PVE launch. People predicting that season two are predicting that the season will start. Season six will start uh, to coincide with a new hero release. Uh, a lot of that stuff obviously happening. I, I don't think the hero new hero release would be until like April though. So that'd be much later. Um, I think it's more in like either the middle of the in-game season three or the beginning of the in-game season three or something like that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just excited that we're not going to have as long of, a, of an off season. That means me and Joe probably will be recording more episodes because we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll have to start previewing teams a lot sooner, Joe. <laughs> uh, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Which means there's going to be a lot of roster changes. Which means there's going to be lots of lots to talk about, lots of juice. And I, yeah, and this this off season will actually have in game like Overwatch two news to talk about as well on a week to week basis, most likely. That's um, true. Because last off season we just had nothing for long periods of time, uh, where none of the teams were doing anything, and the game was dead. So there's just nothing to talk about. Um, but yeah. That's what a what a great season we had, Joe. Uh, I gotta say, season five, my favorite season so far. Despite uh, my gladiators falling short there at the end, we still got two wins, so that was a great experience to be a part of. And then, just as a viewer, even though I work in the league, I also still view it. It was amazing. It was so entertaining. Five v five is way better for the game. Overwatch two is so much fun. Uh, some of these new characters are tons of fun to watch, especially Sojourn, despite how busted she is right now. Um, yeah, uh, we have some amazing new players. We have Proper, who might be our our league goat so far coming into the league. The coaching staffs have just risen above the rest. They're looking amazing. This season was fantastic. Um, yeah, so I just I wanted to give my little heartfelt goodbye to season five, Joe. Uh, any any words? Any last words for the final season or the fifth season, not the final season? Yeah, it better not be the final season. Yeah, again, uh, and certainly after after the way it ended, um, I don't think that's in anybody's cards. Um, but yeah, it has been really a good when we've seen literally the game come back to life, um, in with no exaggeration really at all, uh, and that's that's super exciting as you know podcasters and people who. <laughs> you know, like to talk about this, um, but also as you know, as players, as as viewers, um, this is a good place to be. Absolutely, um, I will. I guess I'll mention. I didn't mention this before. Joe, you won pickups this year, five forty-one to five thirty. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I, I I was about to sign off without saying that, but yeah, Joe won. <laughs> Joe won. <laughs> I was I was looking back at some of the previous seasons. I believe I won last year, but I also believe you won season three. And I don't know if we 
Uh, I don't know how we kept track in, in previous seasons or not, but yeah, I think those are the ones. I think we were tied one one, and then now you're up. I think you've won two years in a row. So next year I'll be back. I'll be better than ever, Joe. Sorry, I won't miss. Shout out! I say shout out to my boy Danny Lim who uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> won the Watchport predictions as well. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. All right. Well, thank you all for listening this whole season. Of course, me and Joe will still be recording in the off season. All the off season news, previews, stuff like that. So stay posted for sure. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, my Twitter is at GWGeorgeIB. Joe's is at Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. INC. And the show's Twitter is at On The Flank Show. If you're listening to this one way, if you want to listen to it in a different way, we're on on hyphen the hyphen flank.podcast.co, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the offseason, I guess.